that means you're ready to get better. That's like that's like going up the roller coaster where you're hearing that click, 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 and like you're scared to death, but like you're not sure if you're gonna love it or hate it. That's what those butterflies are. And so Hi there and welcome to the Greyhound Guide, the official podcast of the Sport Management Department here at the University of Indianapolis. This episode is part of a limited edition series titled The Founders Part 2. Hear from sports entrepreneurs such as the co-founder of QB54, the founder of the sport Foaling, and Casey Wright, the founder of the Ninja Zone. In these three episodes, we'll learn how these individuals went from idea to product to sales. I am your host, Cody McCullough. So while working at the YMCA in 2016, I found something pretty cool. We had twin brothers in our program, and one day they were running around on the playground shouting hardcore parkour. I couldn't help but laugh and wonder where that phrase was coming from. So when their mom picked them up, she told me about this new class that they were doing. The program was called Ninja Zone and was founded in Indianapolis. This is a revolutionary class that combines parkour with gymnastics and results in a video game-like experience for both boys and girls. Casey Wright, the founder and CEO of Ninja Zone, created this program when she realized her gymnastics class was 95% girls. She wanted something that offered boys a positive experience within the sport. She is here today to talk more about this program and her experiences overall. So thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Okay, so we're going to try this and see how it goes. There's a timer. We got 30 seconds to try to guess the word. For listeners, we're playing a round of uh, the card game Taboo. All right. Oh, man, this is... Okay. Okay, so it is something that you would maybe have in your hand while you're drinking coffee. Um, Mug? No, it's... It contains news. Uh, News... Uh, a magazine, uh, newspaper, yes, newspaper, newspaper. Okay. That was easy, <laughs> too easy. All right, well, we got that one. I wasn't sure. The words I wasn't allowed to say were print, reporters, and read. So we got it. Here you go. <laughs> um, so I'm just for the first question for listeners who are not familiar with Ninja Zone. Um, could you explain what the Uh, what the program is overall? Sure. It's, um, like you said, it's a fusion of parkour, gymnastics, and then it also has elements of martial arts as well. And um, it, as well as obstacle course training. So kind of like American Ninja Warrior for kids with flipping off of the wall. So it's, it really is um, a new sport, just as many sports have formed. We took like the best of of those and fused them together into um, really what we see as more of a sports fusion. So um, I think the intent obviously is to provide something else that kids didn't have, but also um, legacy sports have gotten so 
so programmed, so um, single sport athlete that we really wanted something that creates a foundation for athleticism while they're young so that they can play any sport. And gymnastics is really good at that. Um, obstacle course training like American Ninja Warrior obviously builds strength and fitness and it's fun. And then um, gymnastics is the best at breaking down things into tiny little incremental progressions so that they can feel successful because that's what makes them keep going. So that's kind of ninja zone in a nutshell. When I, so I've been aware of this for a while. Cause like I said, working at the Y, those, uh, those brothers, they would wear their like headbands and run around and stuff. Um, I have a nephew who he's nine now, but when he was little, we're from Southeastern Indiana he went to like a tumbling class at the YMCA and loved it, but he was like one of the only boys in there. So that discouraged him. So I thought this was cool when I was reading about it. Yeah. So I watched a, some YouTube clips and you are very open when talking about Ninja Zone, talking about uh, the physical benefits that it offers. I was wondering if participants, do, do they benefit from anything mentally uh, by participating in Ninja Zone. Yeah, well, um, when when we were creating this, when I, I was creating this years ago, I just thought um, of I, I thought of let's build it to support what every parent wants for their child. You know, we want to when we decide to put our children in lessons, what can that that one hour a week or two hours a week, what can that encompass? And, and what's the most good that I can get for my child? We obviously want them to be um, great athletes, but we also want them to be good kids. So there is a character portion of it where um, each week they talk about things like focused energy and respect and, and helping and um, kindness to their other ninjas. And uh, there's just a, a little, just a small little piece. And it's wonderful because the the, my favorite part is at the end of every single class, they have a back and forth dialogue with the coach and they say focused. The coach says focused. The kids say energy, um, work ethic and self-responsibility. And so every single week, that's what they hear. And that's because that's what I want for, for my little kids. Now, since we started, there's been a lot of research um, that is that I've come into knowing about the benefits of full body movement on the vestibular system and specifically the inner ear from the time that they're babies. So rough and tumble play, going upside down, backwards, um, anything that literally can shake their head, bouncing on a trampoline, all of these things as much and as often as possible actually helps develop the inner ear system, which controls uh, so much of learning. Like processing information. So, um, and this is a fairly, it's not a new concept, but it's not well known. And as education is starting to go earlier and earlier in preschool where they're, you know, pushing a lot of literacy earlier and earlier, the problem with that is, is the kids' brains aren't quite ready yet. And um, so, what we are focused on with Ninja Zone, especially like the Little Ninjas program and all of our other gymnastics programs is really uh, educating parents on 
on the benefits of how much this is needed for their learning and for their academic development, as well as just general coordination and agility for sports. So I know that was a, like a long-winded answer, but it's it's um, it's it's pretty it's pretty daggone important. The character comes later, but there's actually a lot of mental benefits that start. I have never heard of like you just said the inner ear and stuff. So yeah. I'm actually. I'm actually deaf out of my right ear, so I spent a lot of time as a kid, like, being tested in hospitals and stuff, and I have never heard of that before. That was very interesting. Yeah, it's the, the vestibular system, so um, it's, uh, and there's a lot of different things that are, well, it it's a story, let's just say, we could save that for another podcast, but it's, um, it's pretty impactful, and uh, we're really, we're, we're excited that we knew many of the benefits of what we were doing, we didn't realize that this was one of them. And, um, and so we're really jumping on and, and we're going to, we're going to take it to the moon. So we're actually starting a preschool as well, okay. uh, based, based in this and based on really just the anecdotal success of the Ninja Zone program through the parents, like kids that were having trouble in school or outbursts or, um, you know, hyperactivity, uh, all of those things that, you know, we're hearing about, um, ma like parents love Ninja Zone because it, it, it's, it's regulating all of those things. So you have, how many gyms do you have around the Indianapolis area? So we have six brick and mortar locations. Okay. Um, five of them are gymnastics with Ninja Zone and then one standalone Ninja Zone Academy. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you have those and then the program is licensed around the world too. Yeah. And in my research, I found that I don't know if you had like made progress, but in one interview, um, you said that you were trying to advance the ninja curriculum like into YMCAs and community centers. Yeah, we actually have. Um, in northern Indiana, there is a group of YMCAs that have really, um, they've grasped onto it and they've, they've put in a lot of energy and attention and they have hundreds of kids um, in like north northwestern indiana crown point i believe i don't i forget the name of the ymca but um yes we are starting to go into ymcas and community centers and basically that's what the license is for is the teachers training and um we you know help with um, any equipment purchase that they need and basically setting up this little business inside their business um and they're most successful in places where kids already are so I'm curious from like Ninja Zone as a business perspective, is the process and like uh, the pitch, I guess, different when you're approaching organizations like the YMCA and community centers rather than uh, like individual gyms that you're trying to get on board? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that the pitch is different, but the buyer is definitely different. Uh, the community center is going to look at it a bit more like a business than, well, then I would even say an actual business owner. It's, it's very ironic because, um, a traditional gymnastics gym, um, a lot of times those people, they are all business owners, small business owners, but they, 
they didn't necessarily start the gym because they wanted to be business owners. They were coaches and you'd see that all over the sports industry. And then basically, you know, the business supports their coaching habit. It's what I did. It's what my parents did. And it's, it's great, but you don't go into it for the purpose of making money. Now with the community centers, it's either they're trying to create a supplemental revenue stream or simply, you know, as, as a nonprofit should, they want more programs to offer their community. But with the way that we are structured with pricing and license, um, they end up, it ends up becoming a a nice little revenue stream, even though, um, they're a nonprofit. Yeah, I know. And like the other podcast you've done, you, you talked about how you took over the gym from your parents and stuff. And sometimes the people would ask you numbers and you're like, I'd have to check that. And (laughs) it was, it was funny because, you know, you watch Shark Tank and stuff and people are just always on it with their numbers. And here you are the CEO and you're like, honest, you go, that's not my strength. So that was interesting. Yeah. It's funny. Um, just a little story. This just happened uh, two days ago. My daughter is in fourth grade and they had a social studies lesson on entrepreneurship and she missed one of the questions because the question said, what's the most important skill that you have to have to run a business? And she answered leadership, which is what she's been taught. (laughs) And the, the school's answer was financial skills. Yeah. Which are also important, but we discussed how, well, I think I might disagree with that a little bit because you really can have one without the other. Um, it's just more beneficial if you have both. <laughs> we, uh, there was a fourth grader at the Y the other day. I just um, talked about it with the show we did yesterday. Uh, we were talking about like how, you know, every kid has an iPad now because of e-learning and stuff. And this fourth grade girl was playing a game on her iPad and usually kids play stuff where it's like they're riding dirt bikes or whatever. Well, I was like, what are you playing? I sat down and she showed me and it was like her avatar was in charge of of like a cafeteria. And you started out with X amount of money and you could buy like one food. And then the customers you had, you could reinvest in more food and a larger cafeteria. And it was really cool to see because it was all like business oriented. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, so you are the first entrepreneur that we've had in these uh, two series that we're doing that is not like product based or more service based. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, um, what are some different challenges that you face given the fact that you have a physical space rather than like a ship to good? Well, I definitely, you know, <laughs> stemming from the earlier conversation, leadership and people. Um, because they're everything they're, um, they're our machine, you know, when you have a business and you create a machine, like our people, our coaches, our staff is like literally what makes everything go. And so, um, a lot of people would say, well, that's hard. Like, I don't want to deal with people, which is to me is a, just a cop out because like, of course, cause it's hard. Right. Um, it's hard dealing with personalities and, and, um, but, but it's also fun and challenging and rewarding. It's like raising, you know, thousands of kids. It really is. It's, um, but it does make it difficult. I will say though, what I love about it is that you have so much more control. Um, you know, if, if you're going to be an entrepreneur and, and you're going to want to do your own thing, like, 
you typically want to have control over your destiny. That's probably why you got there in the first place. To me, sir, um, I love service-based businesses as opposed to product because you have more control over your outcomes. So I, to me, product is if somebody invents something that's cheaper or, you know, you, it's, it's always going to be about pricing on and, um, competition with service. You can really just look at your people and say, you know, find out what they want and give it to them. And you, you create that, that service experience. And, and I feel like it's a little more, a little more agile. Now we do support our service business with product, which is really nice. Like the uniforms that you saw. So that was something that I had no idea going in that it was going to be a a revenue stream. I wasn't even, the the whole point of creating the program was just to make this best program possible. And we knew we had to run these little kids around and we wanted to make it professional. And we wanted the parents to know that they were paying for something worthy. And when you put those little boys out there in the uniforms, they feel like ninjas and they act like ninjas, right? And so we did it completely out of pure um, want for the program to be better. And then all of a sudden it's like, holy cow, we, we can make a little money on this too. So, um, I don't know. I think it just goes back to finding out what your customers want and getting it for them. And you end up, you end up pretty successful. So would you say just going deeper into that, that if you are a service-based business that you, cause you, we just talked about how you kind of disagreed and you thought like leadership could be the number one skill do you think that like a service-based business your interpersonal skills like with people you need that more than you would if you're a product-based just because I think like you said if you're product-based and like something goes wrong with manufacturing you just call and you find a new manufacturer or whatever whereas in yours if there's like a problem with a coach you now have to like yeah. sit down and have face-to-face with them yeah it's um I, I definitely think that it's the, the interpersonal skills are much more important in a service-based business. Um, but I also, you know, another positive to that is I feel like interpersonal relationships from our people to our customers is much deeper. Like when we went through the pandemic and we, we had, um, not, not everyone, but we probably had 40% of our entire client base, maybe 50% that paid us while we were closed. Like they did that because they, I mean, they love those coaches. Now, mind you, we made a whole internet platform and our coaches were jumping around in front of zoom all day. But, um, that they, those kids needed to see their coaches just like teachers at school. I mean, they, they need that. They, that our customer is our kid and they needed that. So that was nice that we had the support of our people. Um, whereas if you don't have that relationship with your customer and it's harder in a product-based society, like you just stop, right? It's like, well, I'm not going to have that anymore if I don't have a relationship. So I'm, I'm really curious what kind of research that that you guys do when you go into deciding like where a new facility will be located at or like what kind of metrics help drive your decision-making process? Um, so we've gone about it a couple of different ways, um, but generally just 
just demographics, population, um, you know, it, just really demographics. And that would be first. But the second thing is because we're service-based and because staffing and, and hiring is so crucial, if we can place something where somebody could potentially work at two locations or staff is shared, um, that's really, really helpful. So um, we would definitely look at that. We're also um, looking at now growing through um, potentially acquisition if um, other children's-based businesses are you know, ready to move on to the next step of their life. Um, like my parents started this, so started the gymnastics gym in 75 and they were really one of the very first. So we're just getting to a, a tipping point where a lot of that first generation in private athletic clubs are starting to retire. Because, you know, in, before the mid 70s, everything was a community center or a school. You didn't have private athletic clubs. And so people like my parents and all different kinds of sports and activities started these private clubs. And again, not like they're now looking at, OK, I, I don't maybe they don't have a child to pass it down to or um, they're not really sure how to sell. And they really need somebody within the industry that understands their business. Um, and so that's really how we're also looking to grow is if people are ready to to move on and maybe, you know, actually retire, which most coaches don't get to enjoy a lot of retirement. So. So on another show, it was Gary Brackett's podcast, actually. Um, I heard you talk about the parallels between working out and how if something is hard and your body doesn't want to do it, that that means you probably should because you're growing. I'm wondering, do you think that that same mindset applies to business as well? Because you just mentioned in the first few questions how it's a cop out when people say like it's too hard to like deal with a bunch of people or manage them. So do you think that that same like kind of wall that someone hits in the business world means that they're going in the right direction? Um, I think there's I, I definitely don't have a black and white answer for that, but I, I do have an answer. First of all, um, if any of your listeners have listened to a lot of Gary Vee, he will say like triple down on your strengths and hire somebody to do the other things. I definitely think we need to understand and triple down on our strengths. But I also believe that we could have a blind spot or something that we're internally avoiding that could become a monster under the bed. And by, by at least spending some time on fixing that thing that seems really, really hard, we get to raise our, our baseline. Right. So, um, I, and that's why it's not a black and white answer. It's triple down on your strengths, but we're only as strong as our weakest link, even within ourselves. So if whatever that may be, how do we improve that? And that could be through hiring someone, but then also learning from them. And that's been one thing that's been so, I feel like I have truly leveled up as a CEO is because I've learned from my people that I've hired to do the things that I'm not good at. Um, but I've been able to learn skills from them that I've been able to apply to myself. Organization, financial skills, organizational skills, um, communication skills, 
those things, uh, event planning, um, I just didn't have any of that. I was a creative and a hustler. Um, but by learning those skills, I reduced the stress in my life and um, able to bucket my time and be just use my strengths more more efficiently. Yeah, I will say you mentioned Gary V. I had not like seen much of his stuff. I know I know who he is, but you. Uh, so I listened to a lot of your podcasts, The Sports Entrepreneur, and then I just listened to like podcasts you were on too. So I can't remember where it came from, but you were talking about it with someone. Uh, Gary V got brought up. I listened to a couple of his uh, episodes the other day. It was interesting. I, like I said, I didn't have uh, much exposure to him. So I think on that same Gary Brackett interview, you were talking about how early on you had a fear of public speaking, uh, but by changing your mindset from this is hard, I should avoid it to this will get easier if I keep applying myself, you overcame kind of that hesitation for people who are listening are there any practices that you would recommend like for professional development whether it be something tangible like a book or like you said like a shift in your mind um yeah um definitely well the first thing is i i do want to say this is something that we've actually been teaching in our gyms and with our kids and with my own children um is that those butterflies that you feel when you're really nervous that's a good thing. And we're trying to teach them at a really young age, learn to use your butterflies because when you get those butterflies or you get the goosebumps or you get that, Ooh, that means you're ready to get better. That's like, that's like going up the roller coaster where you're hearing that click, click, click. And like, you're scared to death, but like, you're not sure if you're going to love it or hate it. That's what those butterflies are. And so I, I, through that public speaking, that was the mindset that I had to adopt of, okay, here are the butterflies. That means that this, I, I am going to level up. This is going to be a little bit easier the next time, but a specific practice to get the butterflies under control so that you can do that, um, would be breathing, breathing and meditation, meditation as a daily practice, um, I started uh, several years ago that's completely changed my life like twice a day. That's more of a cumulative thing, but like immediately um, I went to, I went to a, um, I've done all different kinds of breath work and uh, one specific action that they told me if you get really nervous is to pretend like you're sneezing, literally go. Mm, mm. And if you, um, if you literally blow through your nose, um, it, it, it gets that out. And if you've ever seen like dogs, like after they fight and they're like, and they like shake it off or like a duck or something, that's literally what they're doing. It's, it's, um, something with the, the, the sympathetic or the parasympathetic nervous system, but truly like it, it's pretty important because the first time I spoke in front of a crowd, I remember my leg was shaking so badly that you could hear the heel of my foot like clack on the ground. And and I went out into space. I didn't know what I said. I couldn't even, I mean, I read the thing and, and people were like, my friends were like, well, you look nervous, but you made it through. I, I don't even have any recollection of like what happened on that stage besides trying to get my leg to stop to shake. But it went away because I just kept doing it. So 
Yeah. <laughs> I, there was a. Uh... There was one part in an interview where you talked about how even when like you pick your kids up from school, you said you'll just like uh, drive in silence for a few minutes and they'll just like look out the window or whatever. And I thought that was cool because I never thought of that as like a meditation time. Uh, I read something several months ago in a book and it, the the author said that they they started this thing where as soon as they get in their car, they don't touch the radio for five minutes because they said usually they'll start driving and then they'll start thinking about a bunch of other stuff and then they'll get to their destination and realize they didn't even need the music. Um, so I thought that was cool whenever you said that with your kids too. Yeah. The meditation is pretty, it's, it's, it's a game changer. It, it really is. You, in one of the YouTube shows I watched that you were on, you were talking about business as an entrepreneur and that when the business grows, you have to grow and change with it. And actually, we just talked about it. You referenced meditation and other things you've adopted through the years. But how do you balance the professional development with staying true to the brand and the core values that built the business? Um, maybe not just in your field, but in reference to entrepreneurs in general. Um, you know, you, you actually brought up Gary Brackett and it, it made me think that he said something in that podcast that leveled me up. He said, given new information, I have the right to change my mind. So I would say that definitely my core values, like the core values in, in my companies have not changed one bit. Um, I took a lot of time. I mean, not, not even close. I believe in every single, because we, we operate by that. I will say things have been refined and maybe prioritized. Um, but that definitely has not changed. And I think, well, I know that our commitment to those core values is what made us grow. So I think maybe the difference is, is it's not a core value change. It could be an offering change. Like you may, you may look at something a little bit different. Um, the best example I can give in, in our own businesses is on the gymnastic side of our business. I used to coach high level gymnastics and where I spent my time every day was with the, the highest level athletes and we were trying to get them college scholarships or, you know, a spot on the national team um, at one point. And that's where I spent my energy, right? So if I have my calendar of seven days a week and that's what where my focus was dedicated. When I stepped back from coaching, and that and that was the essence of the business, right? You were there to become a champion. When I stepped back from coaching, had a family, started to look at things a, a bit differently, that was not my core focus. And so therefore, it wasn't the core focus of the gym. And we're still going through, we, we feel like we have made a solid shift, but we're still educating um a lot of our parents that we're, we are in it for different reasons. Now we're in it for what our activities, what movement can do for their life versus a scholarship or a flip or a twist. And I think I just broadened my view because I don't know. So I, I shifted what I did. So to, to answer your question about when the business grows, you grow with it. It's really a shift in what you do with your calendar. 
So each day you have certain tasks and activities that you do. And as your business grows, those tasks and activities are going to completely change. I mean, it went from coaching bars to, you know, meeting with a, a marketing firm. Like it's just two completely different things. Um, on other shows, you you seem to always mention like something you're reading. Like I can tell like you like reading. So since we didn't start off with a fun question, I thought I would insert that. So if you're if you wrote an autobiography or whatever a biography was written about you, what would the title of the book be? I feel like I should have had this. Um, I. I read this and something quick came to mind. Did I respond? I feel like I responded um, because now I forget. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's tough. That's, that's, that's like, I can't even answer that because that might happen someday. And I may, my mom is pushing me. I think when I'm 50 or 60, I would do that. Um, then let's switch it. What book would you, uh, would you recommend that, right now that I could answer, <laughs> um, uh, 12 rules for life or, um, 12 more or beyond order. Um, Jordan Peterson. Okay. Yeah. It's thick. Um, that's the, the, there's two books. It's called 12 rules for life. And then the second one is beyond order 12 more rules for life that just came out. But, um, either of them are amazing, but they are sick. Like I usually listen to books on like 1.5 audio on 1.5, yeah. 1.75 is kind of my like speed. And like, I can't even like, he is, he is so intelligent. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I've heard him speak on some podcasts. Oh, yeah. So, uh, but that, that's my current read is I'm, I'm about three fourths of the way through the second book. And, um, it just helps. I mean, that's kind of like my, you know, it just helps me stay on track and, um, kind of keep, keep, keep working towards that, that better self. There so. was, there was something that you said in one of the shows and, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you were talking about how like you read more uh, like parenting books now than you used to because you said it used to be all business. And you said something along the lines of like if your kids saw that you were reading business books that it, you felt like you were cheating them when you knew that you wanted to like become a better parent. So you said you shifted into reading more parent books. And I thought that was cool. Just the idea of like because I watched that, uh, it was a 10 minute clip of you speaking at like a programming thing, I'm not sure. And you talked about how you, uh, one of the quotes you said was, we need to understand that we're not programming our kids for like the same world we lived in. You said we're programming them for their world and it's gonna be different. So I just, I don't know, I thought that that was cool how you were willing to like shift your reading to develop yourself in other areas. Well, I, um, I just have to thank you, Cody. <laughs> I appreciate you listening to, to all my stuff. You have officially listened to more than both my husband and my mother and my kids. <laughs> so 
Um, yeah, I think it's just, you know, it's, it's BS when people say my, my family's the most important thing to me, but they spend 15 hours of their day focused on something else. Like I, I just, I really believe in, in it's the, it happens at the calendar level. Like you only have so many minutes and you only have so much time to focus, um, to deeply focus on the things that you love and, Um, a lot of times it's not what you're doing, it's what you're not doing, right? Like what things can you remove? Um, and yeah, especially with my kids, it's like, you know, I, I felt like I needed to, I needed to start there. And, and it's funny because it's probably been a couple of years ago that I said that and it kind of changes, you know, those levers in your life, um, they, they changed because I feel like I am in a really great place with my kids right now where I'm not like searching for answers. And I was probably at a place where I'm like trying to, you know, figure some stuff out. And then, and so now I'm kind of focused on some other things and then I'll have a struggle come up and I'll go back. Right. Like I'd probably need to lose five pounds. So I'm going to end up reading something about (laughs) that's going to motivate me to not, you know, put, you know, put too much in my body. So I, I am wondering just because of the people we've interviewed, you're uh, local, obviously. And mm-hmm. so I'm curious through your facilities, do you have opportunities, maybe not now because of COVID, but like post this for volunteer experiences or internships within the gyms? Um, yeah, we would love to. And, and really probably even more than a, the internships, I, I would love to be able to have a, a working relationship uh, with the universities for the internships um, that, that really fit. The problem is, is they're too short, right? That what we've seen so far is too short, but we definitely have um, not only volunteer, but we're hiring all across the board um, for multiple, multiple positions. And I think what's cool about our company is that it's, it's not, it's big enough where you get positive, like, like corporate training, right? You get real skills training, you get real meetings training, you get to, you know, it's like big boy, big girl kind of job, but yet you have a lot more autonomy, um, in the facility and it's small enough where, it's much more merit-based rather than, um, you know, like a, like a corporate hierarchy. Um, and more it's, it makes an excellent job for people that want to kind of try their hand in multiple things that they're not, maybe that they know they love sports. They know they love kids. Um, they know they have leadership abilities, but they're not, Um, they don't want to be zeroed in on one thing all the time. And so I think that's at least what I've been told by a a lot of the, you know, young college and, um, and recent grads is that they really get to learn a lot in a short amount of time and have some serious like responsibility and their ideas matter. So I think um, like I said, we're hiring across the board. We're welcoming um, anyone in because we're growing fast. Um, we're building a new facility in Westfield, but you know we have three facilities down there by UND as well. Um, 
that are all looking for just just passionate, hardworking, like what can I get out of life kind of kids yeah. um, that aren't trying to just check a box and just do what's next again on the on the world that has been painted for me like what am I supposed to do next I we want like independent thinkers that are like what what can this job do for me what can it teach me by absorbing some of these responsibilities um so what do you mean whenever you say just because I want to know because we're always looking for ways to improve and stuff the especially the internship part when you say too short do you mean the uh the hours that students had to complete or just the duration overall of the, the, the duration of the internship, I okay. think. Um, and it, and it probably depended, you know, by department or whatever, but, um, you know, like three weeks, oh. it, our training, I mean, just to just, you know, safety training and, and, and understanding the company, like to give the full experience, you know,
catch more from Casey Wright, I highly recommend tuning into her podcast, The Sports Entrepreneur, streaming wherever you listen. We will now end with a word from our sponsor for this series. Here is some not-so-breaking news. Your grandparents grew up playing cornhole. Your parents grew up playing cornhole. But you, you've lucked out. Because right now, Ramp Shot is one of the hottest games in all of the outdoor sports. It is considered cornhole on steroids, made for the modern-day player. Visit rampshot.com, R-A-M-P, shot.com today to get your set in time for the summer fun. Woo! <laughs>